You're listening to the Week 2 Fear the Wave Tulane Ole Miss preview with Kelly Camarda, Jimmy Ordno, and Jake Weinstock. Fellas, uh, possibly the biggest game in Yulman Stadium history. Uh, Jimmy, you know, Ole Miss coming in here after uh, throttling us a couple of years ago after a long rain delay. You know, just your first thoughts about seeing them again and, and having them hosting them this time. I'm very happy about hosting them after hearing about how we were hosted last time. Uh, we were there with a rain delay cramped in a small locker room while they were luxuriously lounging in their large indoor facility and so forth. But, um, you know, I think the, the the big difference is they had the Jimmys and the Joes last year. This year, I, this, this time or last time around, this time around, I think we got the Jimmys to compete with their Joes. I don't think we're better by any stretch from a physical talent standpoint, but we're competitive enough, which then makes the game about execution, um, you know, not killing yourself, uh, winning turnover and all that kind of stuff. So, um, you know, I like our chances in that, you know, the, 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 this time around, like last contrasting the two last time around, they were just play Sam Williams comes to mind defense end. some of the guys they had outside that just overwhelmed our corners at the time. Uh, they just had such a distinct physical advantage, and with a good, experienced quarterback in Corral, um, they just overwhelmed us. Whereas this time, you know, I feel that, um, you know, guys like Jared, uh, all our corners really, and and our defensive line are, you know, capable of competing with an SEC talent offense. I mean, granted, they have a very special player at running back. Um, and 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 on the other side of the ball, that they're, they're really old. Um, they're too deep on the front seven. Are consists entirely of seniors, other than one backup three tech who's a junior. So they've played a lot of football. Lots of them are transfers. They're new to the system, um, but they're going to be. You know, in, if if you're a senior playing in the SEC, you're big and physical. I don't, I don't need to watch much tape to know that you you you're going to be a really good athlete. Um, but I don't necessarily know that they're going to be as sound as South Alabama was. I think they're a team that they're going to be big and athletic and hope to rely on that. But if if you're big enough and strong enough to compete with it, then then you got an opportunity because there might be some discipline gaps um, in their attempt to defend you. So make them think, put them in conflict as much as possible, make them pass off receivers and you know, picks and rubs and all that kind of stuff. And and I think good things can happen. And Jake, talking about uh, the contrast between last time and this time, uh, this time we actually have an offensive coordinator that knows how to take advantage of his personnel. Yes, we do. Um, and, you know, I think that's one of the most um, interesting contrasts to the 2021 game. You know, I, certainly I think we're a lot better on the offensive line at this point than we were at that time as well, even though you're breaking in a new left tackle still in cam wire. Um, I, I think we're going to fare a lot better in the trenches. Um, certainly on the offensive side of the ball. I know we'll come, we'll come to the defense in a moment, but it, I think that's an area where we'll hold our own and we're going to have to, I mean, you know, of those, of those players in the front semi seven, Jimmy mentioned, you know, Cedric Johnson and, and Jared Ivy, they're, they're two, um, primary pass rushers at the end spots are really, really good players. I mean, Johnson had a pressure rate of 14.7% last year on something like 250 pass rushing snaps. So it, it was a limited sample, but that's that's a pretty good number. 
Um, I, you know, I just, I, I, I have a pretty good sense of what we're going to try to do offensively, but it's, it has been difficult this week to discern what we're going to see from this Ole Miss defense, considering to Jimmy's point, so many transfers. Um, and it's not just in the front seven. I mean, Zamari Walker is going to be one of their starting outside cornerbacks. He's in his sixth year of college football. And I think he has something like a, a thousand or 1100 snaps over that period of time for Georgia tech. But beyond that, this is, this is game two for a brand new defensive coordinator, um, Pete Golding. And, you know, you, you turn on the Mercer tape and it's, it's difficult to figure out exactly how they're going to play us or how they're going to try to defend us um, with, again, new, new personnel, FCS opponent that was obviously pretty, pretty talent deficient and a brand new coordinator. So I think just as, just as Coach Wood and probably to some extent Coach Nagel held a lot back last week in reserve in, in anticipation of conference play in this game in particular, um, I would anticipate that that Golding did the same. So it, it's going to be a challenge. And I think, as I said last week on the on the pregame show about their um, sideline, our, our whiteboard, the dry erase on the on the home sideline is probably going to be busy in the first quarter or so, um, getting our feet wet against against something that hasn't been on tape a whole lot. Yeah, and coming off of week one, you know, we talked about this in the post game. One of the problems is always tackling, and and that showed up in the Mercer tape that Mercer had a ton of trouble getting Ole Miss on the ground, and that's going to be key in this game for Tulane is limiting the you know yards after contact, the yards after catch. Um, but from a scheme perspective, Jimmy, I think that it's a real advantage to us that Coach Wood coached against them last year at Troy. And had some success. Uh, Troy generated, I believe, three or four turnovers in that game. I remember watching that game and thinking, you know, Troy's really punching above their weight class here. Um, and Coach Wood seemed to have a really good idea of how to defend Lane Kiffin. Um, talk about what you expect to see from our defense this week. You know, I think you you end up one of the best advantages of playing with the pace that Ole Miss plays from an offensive perspective is, is that you really kind of force the defense to be pretty basic. Um, it's hard to have very intricate um, blitz tags and so forth on, on, on it when they're running plays every 12 seconds or so. Um, and so you just got to kind of line up and be sound and um you know, I I, th- I think we're comfortable with that, right? Because we we kind of have the guys to to do that. Um, and so, I, I, while I think Coach Wood would love to be able to dial up some unique pressures and so forth, you're going to have to get in down distance situations um, where that's possible. You know, where where they're running for a loss and they can't. You know, that slows on the offense. Incomplete passes obviously slow down. Offense. You just don't want a situation where they're, you know, just rolling, 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 rolling on, um, uh, you know, with some momentum. But you know, the 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 thing with them, what I remember just from my time watching uh, this team, Ole Miss is is just you know they're kind of fast even when the others slow down a bit. You know, they they he just enjoy he really enjoys playing with that pace. Now. That said, you know, I don't know how much confidence he has in his quarterback in a in a tough environment. Um, he's let him rip. He's let it rip at times. 
but there's been times that he's sort of put a lid on him. I mean, I, I, I happened to go to the Egg Bowl last year, and I know that it's a bit of an outlier, but, I mean, uh, Jake gave me the number. It was 3.9 yards an attempt, I believe, in that game, whereas it was – average, you know, average depth of target, 3.9. Average depth of target, that's what it was, which, you know, Dinkin and Duncan versus, you know, typically around 10, right, uh, in most other games. Um so, you know, what's that tell you and what's that tell you about Tulane? I'm not sure, but, you know, that was a road game environment, tough environment. Uh, they were um, – I'm sorry, in that one they were home. Um, but, you know, rival game and all that. Uh, I just – I kind of find it interesting. They brought in some experienced um, transfers. Uh, there was some talk whether Dart was actually going to be the starter this year. He had to win the job. Now, a lot of that could just be coach – motivational stuff, but um, I don't know how much confidence he, he's got in that signal call. I know he's got a lot of confidence in Judkins, um, but if Tulane is able to sort of be his normal self, very disciplined in, the, in, in, in gap responsibility and, and making it hard on their run game, I mean, Judkins will have a play here or there, just like Deuce Vaughn did last year. But if you can contain him and make it a situation where, where Dart's got to beat you with his arms, I don't know how comfortable Lane Kiffin's going to be with that. Um, so I think that's sort of the key. I mean, you know, I'm not saying you shut down Judkins, but you, you, you contain him. You make it, you make it a game in which the quarterback is going to have to, to beat you and, and see if this guy can do it. And I mean, that's you- the thing. If, if I can hop in Kelly, I mean, that, that's the thing that, you know, last year in that, in that game against Ole Miss, coach Wood came out and very, very clearly from the get go wanted to play with too high, wanted to play off coverage. He mixed man, he mixed zone, but there was, I, I don't think there was a single rep of, of press coverage in the entire first half. And Ole Miss did exactly what, what I think Lane wants to do, which is run the ball and, and, you know, get ahead of the sticks. And, you know, this, this statistics shocked me, but if you remove the, the three service academies, there were only five FBS teams in the country that had more design runs or runs on a uh, design runs on a higher percentage of plays than Ole Miss last season. They ran the ball 60% of the time, which is insane. And it's also just not, it's not what you think of when you think of Lane Kiffin, you think of his shot balls, you think of him, you know, throwing his hands up when the ball is halfway in the air, calling a shot on a touchdown. And, and that's where, you know, I think the, that's where Coach Woods too high um, was effective in that game because Jimmy is correct. I mean, Dart's average depth of target last season was over 10 yards um, per pass. And to put that in perspective for, for people listening, um, I'll compare it to two quarterbacks that, that they know well and have seen recently. That was higher than Michael Pratt, and that was higher than Caleb Williams last year. 10.7 um, Average depth of target was higher than both of those guys. And so very clearly the pattern for the Ole Miss offense is play fast, don't huddle, you know, get your 75, 80 snaps a game for sure. But, you know, run the ball, run the ball, run the ball, shot play, run the ball, shot play, run the ball, run the ball, shot play downfield. And I think what what happened to Troy in that game, while, you know, to Kelly's point, they were able to take the ball away. They were able to um, – come up with some timely stops on third down with some creative pressure, you know, they, they were willing to play six or seven men in the box for so much of the, of the game that they were willing to give up 
five, six yards a carry pretty frequently, not willing, but it's, you know, that's the risk you run when you don't have an eighth man down there, or sometimes even a seventh man down there. And that's exactly what, what Ole Miss did. I think they ran the ball like 44, 45 times, something in that game um, for over five and a half yards a clip. And, and Troy just kind of died a death of, of a thousand paper cuts. So it'll be very, very interesting in the first quarter if, if coach Wood takes the same tact and if he does, you know, a, are we able to contain the run? You know, are we able to keep it to three, four yards on most plays without uh, an eighth, perhaps without a seventh defender in the box when they try to spread you out number one and number two, if we're not at what point, if any, um, is is Lane and the Ole Miss offense able to get us to walk a second safety down um, and and play in a manner that that invites the shot ball from from Dart? Um, so that'll be that'll be interesting. That's exactly what I'm going to be watching in the first quarter. Yeah, for me, it seems like I, I don't see any scenario where Tulane tries to walk an eighth guy down into the box. I think you're just asking for it at that point. I think to, if you look at the strength of our defense, it's the corners and the defensive line. Um, Jimmy, if if you were coaching this game, I mean, I think the best strategy for Tulane is just to kind of rely on guys like Jenkins and uh, and Eric Hicks and, you know, the guys that have been there for a while to try to win the, these matchups against the Ole Miss offensive line or at least – you know, eat up blocks and allow Tyler Grubbs um, and Jesus to, to try to clean up plays and, and to try to keep from giving up these shot plays uh, that, you know, Lane is just trying to invite you in so he can throw the ball over your head. May not, you know, we, he may run the ball 60% of the time, but those 40% of the uh, of pass plays, you know, there are a high percentage of shot plays included in those. Yeah, well, yeah, and and so you know, this is a, let's sort of like where you need a Willie Fritz special. It's got to be a holistic, complementary football plan here, and they want to play super fast. You're going to want to slow it down some on offense. You don't want to necessarily get you don't want to get it in a, a, a shooting match with them uh, if you can help it, because if you are able to sort of do the boring stuff well on offense, but slow the game down, it, it creates anxiety. I mean, the guy wants – I mean, we know. We know Lane Kiffin so well because we've seen him coaching for so long. And he's already playing left-handed to some extent with his current configuration of players. He, To Jake's point earlier, he is known for – you know, he was one of the guys that really opened up Alabama from a stodgy – you know, run and play defense team to, you know, it's like, man, this is Alabama, you know, throwing the ball over the yard, et cetera. I mean, that's, that's what he wants to do. And what the numbers tell you is that he doesn't feel comfortable doing it with this guy. Well, too much, you know, you want shot plays tend to be a little easier. It's like, you know, if, if, if you're only throwing them when you typically, when you have favorable matchups because everybody's concentrating and run, et cetera. So, Make him do what he doesn't want to do with this personnel, and 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 if you you control the pace of the game, you control field position by playing excellent special teams, um, by sustained drives, etc. With the ball, then then it creates anxiety on his part. He starts pressing. He it's sort of like playing an option team. I'm not suggesting we go go full navy here, but but 
where you, you know if you're accustomed to 13 possessions a game, now you're getting 10. You know, you you start pressing because you feel like you got to do more and the more limited possessions you're getting, and you're always attacking a long field. Um, make him do what he doesn't want to do with this ball player, and then and 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 I think it is the correct prescription that you guys are suggesting that that you be a little lighter in the box. Trust that your deep guys can be excellent in run support, like we saw last year from guys who typically were lined up a good fifteen yards off the ball but they were able to to help support a very good front and, and containing the run, but make them earn it, make them go to long field, make them earn it. And, uh, you know, wait for them to get impatient and make a mistake. That's right. You don't, you don't want three play Ole Miss scoring drives or two play Ole Miss scoring drives. If you have a chance of winning this game, they have to be, cause they're, look, they're going to score a touchdown, at least one. They, they're, they're probably going to score at least two. They need to be, to be, you know, eight, 10, 12 play drives. And that's the beauty of too high, even in a game where you're not afraid of an opponent taking the top off your defense as, you know, as coach Hampton wasn't many, many times last year when he was, when he was calling the plays for us, what it forces the opposing quarterback to do is be on time, efficient and accurate in the short intermediate areas of the field multiple times, like a full handful of times on every drive to get down and score six points. It's very, very difficult for a lot of guys to do that. And I'll take y'all back to the East Carolina game last year at home where we we never broke um, too high. We we always made um, uh, Kate Ayers, uh, Cole Ayers. Kelly, what's that, what was that quarterback's name? Holton Ayers. Oh. Holton Ayers, keep everything in front. They got down in the red zone maybe four or five times, and they scored nine points because they were able to move the ball between the 20s. But once that space dries up, it's it's very difficult to be as accurate and as efficient and get the ball to guys in space um, in that area. And I think that that kind of has to be the formula, understanding that you're not going to pitch a shutout and – you shouldn't need to pitch a shutout to win. I mean, this is this is not a game that we need to be approaching like that Troy South Alabama game in 2022 that we talked about that went 10-6. This is a game that you know it, I think can be won in the 31 to 24, 31 to 27 range. You hope it's not 45, 42. Um, or fifty-two, forty-nine, or something of that nature. But I, I think that's that's how you have to play. But you know, Kelly, I agree that you know they're probably not going to walk. Tulane's probably not going to walk the eighth man down in the box. But I, I would hope that with this particular group of corners that we have, um, even though Trey Harris, Jordan Watkins, and and Williams, the freshman, are all very good players. That in the right situations, on third downs, um, in critical moments, we're able to trust those guys on their own, maybe press a little bit and, you know, bring someone off the edge, bring an extra rusher or two and hope that you're getting you're getting dart on the ground in less than three seconds, which, you know, statistically is going to be a challenge. I mean, he he only uh, he only took 14 sacks last year. He was one of the best quarterbacks at um, preventing pressures surrendered for being turned into sacks. 
Um, you know, so that's, that's going to be yet another challenge. Um, but uh, hopefully we can do enough to keep them off balance and, and see what their punter looks like five or six times. Well, I, one thing that struck, you know, really stood out to me watching dart play is I don't think we can play him like we played other quarterbacks last year where we drop eight into coverage and we use a three-man rush. In the tape that I reviewed of him, he's really good at just waiting and extending plays and guys just break open. I think that the key to our ability to uh, to beat them this weekend is going to be getting pass rush with four down linemen, getting to the quarterback, having our guys win their matchups up front, because, uh, you know, for as much as he struggled at times, when he's allowed time to pass, he's a really talented guy. And I think that, um, you know, these receivers are really good at playing after the play breaks down. And they're really good at finding empty space. And they're really good at playing street ball. So I really do think that while, you know, I think we're going to play coverage a lot, um, I really hope that we're able to get a pass rush with with four down linemen or that we we bring blitzes sometimes uh, and that we don't just sit back and drop seven or eight in the coverage all the time. I really do think that we're going to need to turn up the heat a little bit in order to get them off the field um, and see that punter four or five times. Yep. Now, uh, Jimmy, what do you think? I mean, obviously, you know, we want to, control the time of possession we want to control the run game um who's the guy for Tulane if, if we're going to do that you know after this after the South Alabama game you know obviously just the eye test Makai Hughes looked like the best runner we had uh but we also saw a lot of Shedro Lewis with limited success we saw very little shoddy Clayton Johnson we didn't see Arnold Barnes at all um who's the guy who, who do you think runs out there more and uh, and has the most carries this week? You know, I'll allow like a 10% chance that we didn't see Arnold Barnes on purpose because, you know, just kind of taking him in from left field and we're going to drop him on him in this game. That's only about a 10% thing, though. I think if, if we expected to use him here, we would have seen him some. Uh, I, I really don't know. Uh, Shadi didn't get a lot of work last time around. He's certainly big enough to 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 – be a physical guy, though, you know, don't always see it. Uh, I, I agree. Hughes looked the best in that one limited sample. Unfortunately, all three guys, I think, uh, they got significant carries put the ball on the ground, one other than Shedro. Um, you know, that's a big question. Uh, that That's that's the, the big question. Now, I do think our passing game looks different this time around. I don't, you know, I think our coaches saw just what you guys saw uh, when in your study last, you know, leading up to the game that, you know, we could pretty much just run by their back. And that's clearly what we did. I mean, we were extremely vertical um, in our past game against South Alabama. I don't think we're going to come to Ole Miss with quite that same mindset. Now, that's not to say if a shot there, we're not going to take it. And we'll certainly try to set those up. But, I think we're going to look to get the ball out of Mike's hands a little quicker. We're going to try to do more of a, a controlled pass game underneath, take advantage of um, communication gaps, uh, failures on their part. Um, you know, so I, I think you're going to use the shorter passing game as more of an extension of run game than anything we saw last Saturday. 
Um, not that Tulane's going to suddenly become Bill Walsh's West Coast offense, but, um, you know, I, I think you got guys who are good in, in, in that, those spaces, and, and you're going to have to take advantage of those. Um, and so it'll be a complimentary part of short passing to supplement the run, I believe. Uh, you know, we'll see the jet option. We'll, we'll see, we'll see the counter, you know, we'll see some of the staples. I just don't know if there is a star. This is, this is Jake's thing. I don't know to, to um, make Jake happy. I don't know if any of the running backs in the stable all, all may end up being very good players. None have demonstrated yet. I'll put it that way, that they are truly different making from the rest. Like there, there's a, 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 a above replacement sort of, you know, my concept here that I, I don't know that any of them just have extreme value above replacement as a runner. At least they haven't demonstrated it yet. And so with that, I think you'll see more of a stable and, and coach is going to see if anybody's kind of feeling it and and then ride the hot hand as far as, as of who's going to get the most carries. Yeah. And Jake, um, looking at the first play from scrimmage that Mercer ran, they ran the jet option. And the quarterback ran up the middle 75 yards on touch for a touchdown. Mm-hmm. And looking at, at that game and, and looking at all the new faces on Ole Miss's side of the football, one thing I think we're going to see, and Jimmy alluded to this a little bit in the passing game, but even in the run game, I think we're going to see a ton of window dressing this weekend, a ton of motion, um, a, a ton of things to try to throw them off and, and get them out of their lanes and assignments um both in the run and pass game um if you were you know the offensive coordinator this week knowing how hot it's going to be knowing it's 230 um and and realizing that you know your defense is going to need a lot of rest i mean what what would your strategy be as far as how to attack them on the ground um you know understanding who their personnel is and, and that they're breaking in a new coordinator and several new players on that side of the ball. I think that is the path um, to use counters, to use misdirection, um, you know, be aggressive with, with your post-snap RPO calls. I think, you know, as Jimmy said, they're, they're very athletic up front. There's no hiding that they're experienced. They're older players. They're, they're strong. They're fast. Um, and I mean, let's, let's describe what, what happened. We played a team last week that did not have nearly as imposing of a front from a physical standpoint, from a speed standpoint, from a strength standpoint. And we really did not run the ball at all, um, with any level of consistent success. So I think if we were to, to simply line up and, and, you know, just try to run it down their throats like it's the Cotton Bowl, um, we're going to run into some problems. So I, misdirection is is likely going to be a part of the plan. Um, you know, and, and the thing that goes unsaid here is that we have shown um, over the last, what, 14, 15 games that Coach Nagel has been calling the plays um, that the quarterback is a – the quarterback position in this offense – is a legitimate threat in the running game and absolutely makes teams pay for overcommitting and for losing gap discipline. Um, but, you know, the quarterback has to protect himself. 
And, and that's something that, you know, over the last, um, you know, the last season and, and a game, really two, two seasons, um, we've not always seen done with tremendous success. I mean, you know, go back to the Houston game last year. Um, you know, Justin Ivietta leads a beautiful drive down the field to start that game in his first start of the season and takes an unnecessary shot uh, when he tucks it and runs on third down. Obviously, we saw Michael took a number of hits last week, um, many of which were self-inflicted. So I think, you know, it, we need to be very calculated and smart about how we run the ball, when we run the ball, and and when it is the quarterback running it. Um, you know, let's not necessarily, you know, lower our shoulder against an SEC opponent to get that extra yard. Let's slide and live to fight, live to fight another day. Um, but, you know, a lot of this is going to come down to when we choose to run. And, and Coach Nagel, on the whole, has been great about that, about not – um, calling run plays and disadvantage, you know, in, in inefficient downs to run the ball. You know, there have not been a ton of of second and ten run calls um, from him in the fifteen game sample size that we have. There have not been um, a ton of of you know third and five, third and six um, run calls unless we're in one of those spots where we're most certainly going to go for it on fourth down and we're really playing to get to fourth um, and and very short. So. I think that's going to be a big aspect of it, but, you know, we didn't see a ton of, um, you know, we didn't, we didn't, we didn't see a ton of play action last week. We didn't see a ton of RPOs. And I mean, we only, you know, we only had what 16, 17 dropbacks and 15 attempts. So I think there's going to be, um, I think there are going to be plenty of opportunities to make plays in the intermediate passing game. Um, We just have to be, have to be in good spots to do that and have to be ready to capitalize. So, Jimmy, what is going to be the final score? What's your prediction? And what is the deciding factor in the game? Well, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm just um, obviously nervous about the game. And, and you know, you, 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 you saw Michael limping at the end of the game. You wonder how healthy he is and all that kind of stuff. Um, but I'm going to just trust that he's right. He's going to be the guy that – we're growing accustomed to see, and I do think, you know, um, we do try to control pace some. It'll be lower scoring uh, than than probably where Vegas has it. I'll go 27-21 wave, and the deciding factor will be, you know, the fact that we we limited penalties, we limited turnovers, we took advantage. You know, we we found ourselves in an advantageous field position. We, we actually did, like, sort of – some traditional football stuff uh, that you need to do to win a game against an equal or better opponent. Jake, what's your prediction final score and what's your deciding factor? I said 31, 27 earlier is the type of game uh, we would need to, to win. I think I'll go with that. I'll go 31, 27 wave. Um, You know, so much of football comes down to at the end of it, who has the better quarterback. And I think this is a game. If Michael's healthy, if Michael's right, um, and Michael's out there, we have the better quarterback. Um, you know, there are some, there were some certainly encouraging things from Dart last week. I know some Ole Miss people are very excited, um, certainly with the additions of Trey Harris and, and Adel Williams. And that's, and that's great. But when it comes down to this thing in the fourth quarter, I think really ever since that Southern Miss game last year, our coaches have shown, nothing but faith 
in the quarterback. You know, you think about the Cincinnati game where Tajay just has an unbelievable afternoon, and yet, you know, we're we're down in the fourth quarter. They put the game in the quarterback's hands, and next thing you know, three passes later, we've snapped a forty. Um, home game winning streak for Cincinnati and we're on to the conference championship game. Think about the conference championship game itself where, you know, he, he could basically do whatever he wanted in that, in that game. You think about the final drive of the cotton ball, you know, getting us down there in position and then ultimately sealing the deal. And then obviously last week is very fresh on everyone's minds playing a team that let's not forget was receiving votes in both polls prior to that game last week. So I, I think that's, that's where it um, it comes down. I'm I'm less confident in my pick than than last week, but you know, Tulane has every reason to think they can and will win this game. And, and I I texted it to you guys before we went on. You know, go back to to the start of November last year. Tulane has beaten five straight FBS opponents, three of which were ranked when they played them. The fourth one, South Alabama, was receiving votes. I mean, Ole Miss has not uh, has not beaten an AFBS team since early November last year. They've lost five out of their last six. And if if Ole Miss wins this game, which they might, and and certainly Vegas thinks they're going to, in my opinion, this is the this will be the best win that Lane Kiffin's program has had since they walked off the field as Sugar Bowl losers twenty months ago. So it, this is this is going to be a lot of fun. This is going to be. Um, this is probably going to be a dogfight, and I saw it reported somewhere this week on local news that this is the type of game that Yolman Stadium was built for, um, and I'm, I, I couldn't agree more, and I'm just excited to get out there. Well, I'm going to go a little bit higher scoring than you guys. Um, I'm going to go 34-31 Tulane, and I think that Ole Miss is going to be able to hit us a couple of times for quick touchdowns, but I think the difference in this game is going to be twofold. Number one, it's going to be that Tulane has a very mature, experienced ball club who is going to stay the course. And I think that we're going to stick with the plan. Uh, Tulane's going to dominate the time of possession. And in the fourth quarter, uh, when Ole Miss's defense is worn down, uh, Tulane's going to make up a, a small deficit and win on a Valentino Ambrosio field goal with, with time expiring. So I'm going to take the wave 431. Um, so I, th- I think we all have the wave winning in a pretty close game. We'll see how it all turns out. And we'll be back on su- uh, Saturday night with our uh, post-game thoughts. Check out our website at ftwcollective.com. That's ftwcollective.com. Get in on our uh, pledge per campaign where you can pledge donations for every touchdown um, every turnover created on defense, every sack, uh, we, we have a lot of, uh, and every win, we have a lot of people already signed up, but we need more ftwcollective.com fellas, Jimmy, Jake, thanks for joining me again. Uh, we'll see you back here Saturday night. Can't wait. Thanks Kelly. You got it, buddy. Can't wait. All right.